This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. So, Scott, like realistically, do you think that clearly the Bruins are hoping that Bergeron comes back, right? But if he doesn't come back, what are they going to do? Are they going to are they going to roll this out? Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be fascinating. It, as of now, it seems like that would be the most likely course of action. But there are potentially still some options out there. You know, we've talked about whatever Calgary is going to do. And they're, it sounds like they're still exploring the trade market, still trying to get guys to extend, but you know, Elias Lindholm and even Mikhail Backlund who, you know, Backlund's not a number one center, but if you, if you told me that, you know, you're keeping Zach on the top line and then you have Backlund second line coil third, I don't love it, but like I could talk myself into that at least being a more competitive group than than what they have right now. Um, obviously, Lindholm would be the ideal target. That's an actual, you know, potential number one center. Um, Mark Shifley is still in Winnipeg, as we talk Sunday night. And his name's come up a lot and has even been linked to the Bruins. Elliot Friedman, like a week or two ago, mentioned that he had heard the Bruins might be interested. Um, doesn't really seem like a ton has happened there or at least anything that's really approached like a deal getting close um and winnipeg's gm kevin shovel off the way he was talking yesterday in his press conference almost sounded like they're now leaning towards keeping shifley and hellebuck which were like the you know outside of pierre luke dubois their next two big trade chips so i don't know if that's is that the truth or is that him bluffing and trying to get teams to think, uh, Hey, we're okay. Hanging on to them. Everyone, you know, we're not just going to dump them type thing. Um, who knows? I'm sure if he gets an offer he likes, he'd still be open to moving them. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, those guys are out there, but I don't know. It's absolutely possible that they just roll with what they have, which is it because the way Don Sweeney talked, on Saturday, Saturday afternoon, you know, when he was at, when he was talking about Morgan geeky, he mentioned, you know, you have him as a right shot, Frederick as a left shot. They've talked about Frederick playing center. And he talked about, you know, those are two third line options who had pretty good production and limited minutes last year. And he was certainly talking like someone who has strongly considered those two being on the third line and one of them being the center there. So that would imply that Charlie Coyle is playing center above that. Um, so, uh, you know, if I had to bet right now, if, if Bergeron doesn't return, yeah, I think it's more likely that they roll with what they have and then try to find their next center next year by, you know, by a trade of free agency 
when they're going to have more wiggle room to work with. Um, so that doesn't, you know, that doesn't make you feel great about this season, but who knows? Maybe if you're in it and things are looking up, you can try to target someone at the trade deadline and reevaluate mid season. I mean, I definitely think that this team is still competitive. Like if this is the roster that they, that they put out there opening night, which let's be honest, it, chances are it's not, I'm sure something will, will change from now to then. But if it were, like we just said, the defense is still on par with last year and the goaltending as it is, is still it's the same two goaltenders. Right. So up front, you know, it's not like Tyler, the, the loss of Tyler Bertuzzi is it sucks because we saw the potential there long-term and we liked his age and, and his chemistry with the passion, but he wasn't a part of the team until a month before the playoffs. So like it's like they, they life without him has been the norm, right. For the Bruins. Krejci, they literally were were without Krejci the year before and they were fine. I mean, you know, I think that ultimately that Eric Halla wasn't the best number two center. Um, So I do think they were a center short, but as far as being competitive, they were still a top 10 team in the league then. So if Krejci's gone, if Bertuzzi's gone, fine. The two, the two losses that were mainstays the last few years would be Bergeron and Taylor Hall. So I guess what I'm saying is like, you can, you can prance out this forward grouping. And obviously I know, I know I didn't mention Nick Foligno's name, but whatever, but this forward group, you can put them out there. And I, I think like they're competitive. I mean, just because you're a number one center, in my opinion, away from being a true like playoff threat, doesn't mean that you can't be a playoff team caliber team. Right. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I, for me, what's interesting though, is that if Bergeron's gone, Right, you'd probably put Zaka between Marshand and Pasternak, which is because you'd have to. But there, but is Pasternak and Marshand are they? Is their chemistry the same? If Bergeron's not there, right? I'm sure it would still be pretty good. The reason I bring that up is because Pasternak is now without his two running mates. Like Taylor Hall was one a guy he played a lot with on the left side, and so was Tyler Bertuzzi. So both those guys are gone. Um, so now it's really. Brad Martian is the only guy that we know on the left side that Pashnak has chemistry with. And when you have a 60 goal score, you got to try to make sure he's happy out there. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, this, I think this team is competitive enough as is, but not, not to threat threaten for a championship, not, not even close, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. I mean, the Bruins just, the Bruins just lost in the first round to Florida who like had a much lesser roster in my opinion than the, than the Bruins did. So you just never know. Yeah. And again, like it, they could address stuff mid-season, the trade deadline. If it's they're looking up, if like you know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, this is going better than expected, and they're they have the third or fourth best record in the East. You can always add, you know. I know it, it would be tough to trade like even more picks on a team that you know is fighting an uphill battle and not as strong as last year, but um you know, teams that haven't been the strongest going to the playoffs have made deep runs and, and one series. So you could do that. Um, I don't think Sweeney really wants to be trading away more draft picks, which also kind of complicates this whole search for your next number one center. I mean, he said after the draft this year, like it's, he basically criticized himself. He said like, we don't have enough draft picks. And, you know, I know like 
I'm the reason why. And I don't even blame him. Like going all in this past year was the right move as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's it didn't work out, but it was the right thing to do at the time because you knew this offseason was coming and you knew all these tough decisions that he's making and all these guys he has to let go or trade away. You knew that was coming. So yeah, you do go all in last year and deal with the consequences now. Um, but, you know, whether they would be willing to deal more picks on this team if they're multiple pieces away is something I think, you know, he would have a, a long internal debate about. So there is still an opportunity to do more, but um, it's it's hard to see them landing like a number one center right now unless if say it is Calgary Winnipeg, like unless they have some interest in someone on the roster, whether it's a Grizzly or Ulmark that like they, or, or even Swayman who, you know, I think is maybe not totally off the trade block yet. Like unless they have, unless they want one of those guys as like one of the centerpieces of the deal, it's hard, you know, that they, they haven't gotten any picks back. They haven't made any trades they didn't make any during the draft this year to get a first or second round pick back. They haven't gotten anything back for next year yet when they, as of right now, don't have a first, second, or third round pick. So what, like you're going to now deal top picks from 2025 as well, and now it's going to be three years in a row you don't have a high pick? Like it's, it's hard to see how they do this. Like at some point they have to recoup draft picks, prospects, it, you know, and real prospects, not with all due respect, like 24 year old Ian Mitchell or 22 year old Alec Regula, who are really just dart throws and maybe career fringe guys. Well, and especially when you're about to lose and you might already be, be without your number one center for the last 20 years, give or take, right? And, and Patrice Bergeron. So you, you, it's impossible to sell me that when you're trying to look for your next number one center. And I know there's other ways, right? Like there's there's free agency next year. There's a hockey trade possibly like, you know, but regardless, like you always want, you don't always want to rely on, on the unknown of free agency or hockey trades. Like you want, you want to be able to draft and develop guys as best you can. Right. And, and so if you're, if your number one center is no longer right now, or maybe next year is no longer, like you have to, you have to get back into the first round and at least try, you have to at least try to address maybe a succession plan. You have to, I mean, you can't just rely on maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a trade with the flames for Elias Lindholm, or maybe, maybe we'll like, there's not number one centers don't grow on trees and teams don't just trade them away. Right. It's unless there's just really a great hockey deal one for one or somebody hits the free agency market, but most teams aren't letting their, their number one center walk. Right. So the problem is that the Bruins ownership and you can call it stubbornness, Agreed. I don't really know what, but they don't want the Bruins to be a rebuilding team. They want they want to sell out the guard and they want to sell playoff tickets. And just from an ego perspective, the bot they don't want the Boston Bruins to be a team that's known as a as a seller dweller or a, a draft lottery team. Um, even though the Canadians haven't had a problem doing that recently, and, and some other high profile teams, but the Jacobs don't want that, and so. What's the cost of that? The cost of that is the cost of having a continuously good team is to, you know, have good foundational pieces. But at the same time, when you when when a trade deadline comes around, you're you're a buyer, not a seller. 
Um, and, and, and that, that comes with collateral that you have to, you have to give away. And I just think that if the Bruins were to do that this year, it's just, sometimes you just have to know it's not your year, right? Like this, it wasn't their year this year, but nobody thought that was going to be the case. Everybody thought they were at least going to be a final four team probably and, and, and see what happens. But now, like I said, you never know what, you never know what can happen, but they do have to be responsible. I think with their draft picks going forward, you just have to be, you have to be realistic. Look at your roster. Maybe you're a playoff team. Maybe you're not. If that's a, if, if it's a question or not, if you're going to be a playoff team, you shouldn't be considering like not, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And that, you know, I think if it was like, if they could go to the Jacobs and say, Hey, one year we're bottoming, bottoming out and then we're right back. Like if somehow you could guarantee that they get, you know, number one pick next year and they can get Macklin Calabrini who uh, is, you know, is a center and, you know, may not be a Connor Bedard or Connor McDavid, but is, you know, kind of the next tier down. Like I've heard, I was in part because he's going to be you, but comparisons to Jack Eichel, like, okay, if you could guarantee the Jacobs that I'm sure they'd be okay with it, but you can't because there's a lottery. So even if you complete the tank of all tanks, there's no guarantee you get the top pick. Um, you know, so, and which by the way, the Bruins, so that their first round pick next year is actually top 10 protected. So, if they did like suck enough that their picks in the top 10, then they would get the pick. But there's so much on this roster that it's like, how are they going to do that? Like how is a team with this goaltending and David Pasternak and still Brad Marchand and McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo as the foundation of your defense? Like how is that going to be a team that gets a top 10 pick? It, it doesn't seem very likely. So I think what the Jacobs can't and won't accept is you know a prolonged period of half a decade out of the playoffs like they would never put up with what buffalo went through for so long before now finally looking like they're on their way up they wouldn't put up with what colorado went through before they eventually got their core that grew into a stanley cup champion they wouldn't put up with what montreal's gone through the last few years or Chicago or Detroit or, you know, pick your team that's been, you know, out of the playoffs and irrelevant for five, six, seven years. Like they're not, they're not going to stand for that. Don Sweeney would be fired after two of those years, just like Peter Shirelli was. So um, yeah, it's, you know, the mandate is to like remain competitive. And I think what you said about the hundredth season, like, I think that's part of it too. I do think, I agree with you. Like if you got them to tell the, the absolute truth, they would tell you that, you know, they don't want to be embarrassed during this season that they've built up and they have all these special events planned and, you know, these era nights and all this stuff. Like, yeah, they don't, they don't want people losing interest by February. And, you know, next thing you know, the building's three quarters full down the stretch. Like, nope, not, not in the cards. Yeah, and I, and I understand from a business perspective why they would feel that way and from a pride perspective. But at the same time, like to your point, they do have way too many pieces on this team, even without a number one center as we currently speak, to, 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 to be a, a bottom 10 team in the league. But if you go into the season without a number one center, 
you're just you're you're just you're gonna be a you're an average team like maybe slightly above average but slightly above average doesn't necessarily mean playoffs right i mean you just know it's it's such a such a the parody is is really really evident in this league so um i just think it's more irresponsible to just knowingly just kind of be mediocre for all the wrong reasons than to really focus on how can we get back to the top as quick as possible. And, and again, it's it the Bruins, it, they currently have too many good players on the contract to tank. So I, I do think that, and I know I mentioned that maybe draft, you, you, you want to draft, you want to say at least try to draft your next center in, in, with a number one, uh, first round, first round pick these next few years if you can, but I do think that they might very well accept mediocrity this season because they're going to try to go out and buy a number one center next year, an NHL ready number one center to complement the current core. Even if Marshan leaves at some point, I mean Pashnak and McAvoy and all these guys they're all they're on their mid mid to late twenties over the next couple of years. Like you know, you can buy them a number one center at some point. But it's not a guarantee. You just you're preying on outbidding other teams. You're preying on a player wanting to come to you over somewhere else. Um, it's just it's 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 a it's a risky bet, but it might be their only bet if they want to. Because yeah, they're too good to they're too good to suck that bad right now. Even without a number one center, there's just too many pieces in place. So yeah. Well, maybe maybe they are just trying to kick the can down the road till next year, where they they open up some cap space. And and I, and I do think they're planning on Bergeron coming back this year, right? I, I think that they're also banking on that, but we don't know that, so it's tough to speculate. Yeah, and you know that's also that's part of the reason why so many of these deals are for one year and cheap because it's you you see, give it a shot. You see what you can do this year. But at the very least, you're not locking yourself into anything that's going to be like a bad contract for next year. So you're still going to have all that flexibility, all that cap space. Like you said, like if buying a number one center is, is what they have to do, then you're in a better position to do that. Um, you're also in a better position to sign another top six winger instead of having to plug James Van Riemsdyk in there. So, yeah, like I I get the approach because... Ultimately, like if they're middle of the pack, it really doesn't matter if they're, you know, the 10th best team or the 18th best team because they're not getting that first round pick. So doesn't it doesn't do unless they are like so bad that, like I said, they're falling into the top 10 doesn't do them any good to, you know, to take a big step back this year. Like you might as well try to remain competitive, try to keep, you know, a culture of winning and competing and all that um which i think is what they're trying to do they're trying to kind of thread this needle where i think sweeney and everyone else knows you know they don't look like a cup contender right now they're not going to be one of the favorites on paper but you do enough that you know to use a word you've used a few times stay competitive and battle and hopefully make the playoffs and uh, you know who knows maybe you get hot maybe instead of your goaltending breaking down like it did this year. Maybe Allmark Anders Swayman gets red hot and you ride them to a series win or two. Like it, that's that's what they're doing. And it it's a lot of what ifs and it's a lot of hoping and praying and and finger crossing, but 
that's, you know, it's kind of like all they can do right now. Yeah. And honestly, it's like after last year with the perfect roster, the perfect season to lose in the first round, it's, I don't know. It just, it makes you realize like anything can happen. And even when everything lines up perfectly, it's, you know, it's still a game of inches. And I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, Marshan scores on that breakaway and they're in the second round, but he didn't and they lost. So, you know, they had, they literally had the perfect roster or so it appeared that they did. And it turns out they didn't, <laughs> but um, you know, so I guess, so I'm, I'm not going to – I don't want to shit on a on a lesser-than roster going into a season because I just watched a, a, the most talented roster on paper I've ever seen a Bruins team, Bruins team have get bounced in the first round after being up 3-1 to one in the series and multiple times in those closeout games. So just, you know, it, it, it's just interesting to watch, though, because, like, the, the dynamic of the team, the roster personnel is totally shifting. Like, there's going to – like, the, there's a lot of new faces in here and just, like – like very it's very rare to see a Bruins team go from year to year and have the personnel drastically change as much as it is this year. Uh, usually it's like, you know, a couple guys in, a couple guys out, but the but the majority e- even through the eras, right? Like when it was like when it, when they won a cup back in in 11, the couple of years prior to that, the couple of years after it, the majority of those guys were still there. Um this new wave of guys like it just it's always been you, – you've always known what you were going to get with the team. Just – it was the, – the question was how the new guy is going to fit in and how the – you know, who, who's who's the new fourth-line center? How he'll, how, how's he going to do, right? But now it's like – I mean, literally half their forward group is going to be different than it was last year. 